Dad freaking gummit. <laughs> Hell of a career, Philip Rivers. I uh, am tipping my Titleist ball cap to you right now. Um, incredible. Incredible career for Philip Rivers, and it is over. After 17 NFL seasons, it ends on Wednesday, January 20th. Um, yeah, I guess quite a big day uh, in our country, but certainly Mr. Rivers as mm-hmm. well. Um, Chris Presley, Kevin Bowen, we're back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. Um, boy, we were planning on a Wednesday 10 a.m. podcast, so thank you, Phil, yeah. for that. What, about 90 minutes before the pod dropped? This news breaks we will cover it in depth right here, right now, early on. And then Twitter questions. About yeah. a handful, Philip related, and then we'll get into more um, offseason stuff as well. You know, the the plan, Chris, for today's pod was to talk quarterback. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we'll kind of mesh those together. And I do want to make it clear, we won't talk quarterback for 40 freaking minutes every single pod in the offseason. There yeah. are other things to talk about. And so we'll make sure that we, we get to that as well. But I guess in general, man, your uh, your initial reaction it was one that that like you said we we were going to talk about quarterback today so it was very timely but I don't think necessarily surprising we knew coming into this season it could be a one-year deal potentially enough for two um and the guy's had he's had a heck of a career you know if he felt like it was time to hang it up time to spend time with the family go down to Alabama be a head football coach and now he's obviously getting some um you know some some press to potentially do some some commentary as well so I think it's just a good time for him um and and really a good time for this team to move forward with another quarterback yeah I couldn't agree more with that last statement we'll get into that I guess let's focus on Rivers here first Chris and the news I think if we remember kind of how I've uh, trended, if mm-hmm. you will, towards this in November, December, I was probably eighty or ninety percent sure he was going to come back. As we got deeper into December, that number dropped for me, uh, and I said it this morning, actually, before the Rivers news broke. I'm, I'm filling in the Fan Morning Show this week. I called it a coin flip, and yeah. you know, I had heard whispers and whispers again before, really, the last forty-eight hours that. This was a real decision Philip Rivers had to make and was not a slam dunk. I thought his passion and his competitiveness for the game of football would win out in the end, mm-hmm. and he'd want to come back. Um, I'm curious how the Anthony Costanzo retirement might have factored into this. We'll see if we hear from Philip today. As of right now, we, we are not, yeah. uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll see on that. Uh, but it's funny, Chris. I heard from someone, I'd say around 9 o'clock last night, that this was happening today, and you know, vetted that source pretty, pretty very intently to make sure that, you know, this isn't just a, oh yeah, um, you know, Chester Rogers is re-signing with the Colts. This is a pretty big freaking deal Yeah, as I channel my rivers there. But um, yeah, I reached out to someone that I felt like was pretty close to rivers and then someone, my, my best quote unquote Colts source and I uh, got crickets. And usually when you get crickets, <laughs> uh, this is going to happen. So I spent, um, probably 12 a.m. to 1 a.m. in bed writing this story and just knowing that it was a possibility. And then sure enough, Kevin Acey, who um, broke the news, longtime San Diego reporter, he had it. And mm-hmm. this is kind of who Philip is. And um, if if you saw my tweets late last night and even early this morning before the news broke, kind of hinted at like, oh, my, this is – yeah. There is a very real possibility that the Colts won't have a decision to make. Phillip Rivers will make the decision for them, and he's made it, mm-hmm. obviously, by hanging it up. So um, the Colts, I think, looked at Phillip and thought this. Skill-wise, we still think he, you can play. It's really just age. Right. I mean, Chris said that. 35 years old, certainly 30 years old, we'd run it back. But this was an age thing with Phillip. Um, I guess let me start here, Chris, and we're going to play an interview from Kevin Acey later. We had him on the morning show. We're going to play that on this podcast, so I probably should have teased that early on. But we're going to have that here in a in a little bit, and um, I think Acey has some great insight mm-hmm. into Philip, you know, wanting him to break the story, and then just in general what Philip meant to the NFL over the last seventeen seasons. Chris, I um have so much respect for Philip Rivers. He's probably on my short-ish list of athletes that I respect the most. I think I've said this before in the pod. 
I love passionate human beings. Yeah. Love them. Um, love internal drive. Love self-motivated people. It's just a characteristic that I think I gravitate towards and, and something I really admire in people. And to me, Philip Rivers fits that to a T. Yeah. That dude is just wired differently. I thought he injected that into the Colts this season. It was really necessary. I think he brought a level of accountability through his actions and even his words that, that were needed. Um, he's a different breed, very different yes, breed yes, in, in many walks of life. But um, his uniqueness is something that I respect. He has limitations as a quarterback. We've talked about it. The release is funky. He runs slower than you or I. Uh, the arm strength is not. You know, 98-mile-per-hour fastball on the gun, but the dude got it done, yeah. and he was bleeping durable as hell. And he tore his ACL in the final game of that RCA Dome, and Kevin Acey's going to tell a great story about that when we have him on here in a little bit, and yet played six days later. Just took the damn ACL right out of him. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> wow. Um, I think he's a Hall of Famer because I just think longevity and durability means something. You know, did he ever get there in the postseason? No. Did I feel like this team had reached its ceiling with him at quarterback in January? Yeah, I did. And that might sound harsh, but that's what I thought. I thought this was Alex Smith with the Chiefs. Yeah. I thought, you know, you, you just kind of had – I thought running it back with them would stunt this team for another year plus. And so I think, like you said earlier, this is the best-case scenario for the Colts long term. Uh, are you going to maybe take a step back in 2021? Are there questions to be answered? Yes, without a doubt. But again, I thought it was time to start the next chapter. And it really sounds like, man, this is just all high school football related. I don't know if you've had a chance to read AC's article yet. I've not. But it, I mean, it's just like, I'm ready to go coach St. Michael Catholic High School. <laughs> and which is funny because, you know, his oldest son, Gunner, is not a freshman. Right. He is a seventh grader now, so won't even be in high school next year. Um, but, man, I think if you're a Colts fan and you have a long-term view on your radar, you should be very happy about today. Again, that might sound a little bit uh, harsh in the immediate aftermath of it all, but that's the reality of this business in the NFL. And I've said it many times, and I will continue to stress it, Chris. Let's rattle off the AFC teams that feel like they have their quarterback. Right. Again, not all these are going to work out. But you can name 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. The Jets are going to draft number two overall. That could be Fields. Miami with Tua. Uh, Buffalo with Josh Allen. Cleveland with Baker. Cincinnati with Burrow. Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. Houston, Deshaun Watson. Tennessee and Ryan Tannehill, at least for the next four or five years. Yeah. Uh, Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. Does Locke stay in Denver probably yeah, for a I while? Yeah, I mean, you know, you could throw, obviously, Herbert. With the Chargers, you know, Carr and the Raiders, at least you expect for a handful of years. Like, it's us in Pittsburgh. It, it really is. And, and again, well, are all of those going to pan out? No, 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 no. But they at least there is some level of belief, some mm-hmm. far more than others, i.e. the two teams will see battle it out on Sunday, which we need to give our picks as we end the podcast for Sunday. <laughs> I just think it's time for the Colts to enter that fray. Yeah. And uh, it's the hardest decision this franchise will make. In probably the last two decades, Peyton and Andrew fell into your lap. Uh, that's the reality of how those seasons unfolded the year before you got them. This is tough. This is difficult. It's not easy, but um, again, yeah, I think it's a good thing in the long run that Phillip made this decision for the Colts, really, and that you don't have to worry about me. You don't have to play that game. And I don't even know if the Colts would have brought him back. Yeah. I think that's fair, but you know, you're curious about the toe, you're curious about the Casanzo thing. Um, because, again, I just thought Phillip, and I know his, I think his family's dealing with some COVID stuff for, for, right now, so I think that, you know, who knows if that factored into things as well, man. But, um, yeah, wild. So much for the offseason, right? Right. <laughs> so I, I have a question before we get yeah. into Twitter yeah, 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 questions yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the uh, Kevin Acey interview. Is it safe to say, or not safe to say, but could you could you propose that regardless of how many different draft picks and free agents that Chris Ballard has hit on, that this ultimately could be the biggest decision that he makes? Uh, without a doubt. I mean, 100,000%. Yeah. And again, I don't want to lose sight of Chris Bauer's resume, which has so much good decorated all over it, both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. But this is reality, man. This is the NFL. And if you don't have that position, uh, largely you don't have a chance. You know, I thought it was something to where 
the Colts are going to have to discuss internally, Chris. Okay. Um, is Rivers ascending as a football player at the age of 39? Do we feel like we can be a better team with him? Is he descending? Has father time caught up a bit? What if the arm dials back from 73 miles per hour to 68? Mm-hmm. What if the toe now turns into a shoulder in week three of next season? Like, those were the questions. Is this Alex Smith with the Chiefs? Where is the next Patrick Mahomes? And, again, Mahomes is an unfair name to throw out there, but you know what I'm yeah. saying. Um, and I thought without Costanzo, there's no guarantee Rivers gives you that again. You know, it, it, he got really good pass protection last year. He did. Okay, what happens with Nelson at left tackle or Trent, you know, I don't know, Trent Williams. I'm throwing out all these psycho names, but <laughs> you know what I'm getting at there. Mm-hmm. Um my one of my big questions, Chris, was is the band-aid going to get you to a Super Bowl caliber team? Right. Yeah. Tom Brady's a band-aid. And Tampa's in the final four. Does Tampa have more talent around Brady than the Colts do with Rivers? Eh, probably. I, I think the Colts are a more talented run team, talented more talent on the offensive line. But you know, you could obviously argue in a lot of spots, mainly receiver, that Tampa Bay is much more talented. But still, if you're going Band-Aid, you've got to be deep into January. Yeah. Because I just think you're delaying the inevitable. I love kick the can the game back in the day with my neighbors, the Swansons. Shout out to the <laughs> Swansons. Don't think they're listening to this podcast, but shout out to them. And I just felt like now you have to make the decision. So I think it works out well for you. Now, look, 2021 might not be great, folks. We'll see who the quarterback is. It might be seven wins if you go rookie. It might be something where you don't taste the success we're so used to yeah. in this city. But if we can be patient a little bit and look down into the rest of the decade, some rose petals, I think, are are awaiting this franchise as long as you obviously hit on it because I do think there's so many foundational places in, um, in place here. So. A lot of people, and again, this is something I'll get into on a deeper pod. The culture win now. The culture win now. I don't think so. And I don't want that to come off of, I don't think this team is capable of winning now. I actually think they're really solidly built to be Mm -hmm. winning for five to seven years, Chris. Now, again, you've got to hit on quarterback. But look at the ages of your best football players. They're not 31 and 32 and 33. No, those guys are free agents or have already retired. Your best players are Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines, Michael Pittman, Braden Smith, Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, and I'm going to list them all, DeForest <laughs> Buckner and Darius Leonard and Bobby Okariki and Kenny Moore and Julian Blackman and Kari Willis and your freaking punter and your long snap. Those guys are not. Thir- I don't know if I named a 30-year-old. No. I don't even know if I name Ryan Kelly's probably the oldest of all those guys, and he's like 28. Right. So I look at it and think, oh, boy, this is like a nice five-year win. Now, those guys are going to start to get paid, and it's going to complicate things. And that's why the rookie contract quarterback can benefit things so much as well here. So um, can you get the rookie QB ascending with the rest of your team in its prime? That's how I think – I'm viewing things right now for the Colts. So, um, you got anything else? So, you go that route. You don't go, okay, Matthew Stafford probably has four to five more years left. Do we go towards the back end of a quarterback's career? I like Stafford. I do. And if I'm going that route, Stafford would be the guy. Um, But, again, I'm also conscious and thinking a little bit past that. Yeah. And, you know, Stafford has been very, very durable in, t- in the sense of playing 16 games, but he's also battled through some injuries. And so I think you got to be realistic with that. And then, again, there's some cap impl- implications with making the trade for Stafford. You're losing some draft capital, and you're absorbing mm-hmm. a pretty big contract. Where's your juggle there as well? So um, I am team draft. I've been for a long, long time. Yes, you have. I, I, I maintain that. But I'm also realistic in realizing that. There are some options that we have to talk about, and we will talk about mm-hmm. over the next couple of weeks and couple of months. Uh, good news for the Colts that Philip gave him this news on January twentieth. Right. You know, you got plenty of time. It didn't really need a month, like Chris talked about last week. Um, anything else you got, question wise, or should we get to that Kevin Ac interview? No, I think the only thing that would have uh, shocked me a little bit more than the news this morning is that you played kick the can as a kid. 
Dude, I loved it. I loved it. Swanson's had a great yard, some bushes kind of in the right front of the yard <laughs> that I would hide behind. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a long strider. I, I'm not going to wow you with, with the old stopwatch, but I'm a long strider. And you get me, uh, if you don't have that head on a swivel, I can get about four strides and kick that can into, uh, God, who are the other neighbor's yard? That can's going places, you know? So, uh, yeah, I love kick the can, man. Oh, um, boy, I'm trying to think of the other night games we play. Anyways, um, before we lose everybody off this podcast, before we get to the Kevin AC interview, last thing, again, a hat tip to yes, Phil. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> we, we, we hated him. We did. This mm-hmm. market hated him, rightfully so. Like, that's the part of the competitor. And you know what? Phil loved it. He loved He wanted to be hated. He wanted that. The man... You know, he could be playing beer pong. He could be taking the trash out. He could be, you know, whatever, trying to shower the quickest. The dude is a yep. – he is the competitor. And I just think you have to have an appreciation for that. And um, a hell of a career. Um, is he the greatest quarterback of all time? Hell no. Is he a top five? No. Is he a top ten? No. But for the guys that I've seen in the Hall of Fame, I think he's deserving of it. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't be first ballot. No, no, no. I think over time he gets in and, um, you know, gave the Colts, I think, a nice injection of life here in 2020. And I think for a guy like Jacob Eason to sit in that room mm-hmm. and to learn and to soak it in, don't know if we'll be able to measure that. But, you know, I assume we have an Eason question or two in the Twitter question, so maybe I'll hold yep. off on that. But uh, l- let's head to that Kevin AC interview. So, again, this is Jeff Record and I this morning. On the Fan Morning Show, Kevin Acey from the San Diego Union-Tribune. He broke the news. Philip called him on Tuesday night with this, and uh, hopefully you enjoy this interview. Kevin Acey of the San Diego Union-Tribune, who broke this story this morning, joins us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Kevin, thanks for coming on on short notice. We appreciate that, but wow, how did this? How did you track this one down? Tell me, tell me, Give me the anatomy of how this came to be. It was uh, more 17 years in the making than anything I yeah. did uh, last night. This is uh, Philip. Uh, we had a very good relationship. We, we still do. Uh, don't talk much since uh, they left San Diego. Uh, and I got on a new beat. But um, this says everything that anyone needs to know about Philip. Uh, he gave me a call. And to him, it was a no-brainer. And I, I truly appreciated that. Your level of surprise, Kevin, when he told you. Not, not really. He has been talking about coaching high school football since almost the day I met him. So, you know, this is something that was really deep inside him. And I I knew that he was excited about it. And I knew that, gosh, as much as at one point, I thought that Philip would just play till his arm fell off because he loves playing so much. I also knew uh, from things that he had said that he didn't want to embarrass himself he would not play when he thought that he couldn't help a team. Now I'm not saying that time had come that he didn't think he could still play. Cause he, cause he does. I believe that, but the draw of the coaching high school football and time with the family and all the things that anyone that's followed Philip knows about him. I think it just all came together where, you know what? This was time. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. His oldest son, Gunner is still a year away from high school, right? He's, he's just a seventh grader. He's a seventh grader. So, yeah, but it means, God, again, uh, and I'm just still in awe, even after 17 years, that, uh, that he's a man of his word. He, you know, his dad coached him, and now he'll coach his son. And I bet you Philip will coach for, for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And I just, uh, the fact that he said that this is what he was going to do all along, and now he's doing it to me, uh, that, you just don't come across that. Kevin Acey, San Diego Union Tribune, joining us. He broke the story of Philip Rivers retiring earlier this morning, and thanks for joining us again, Kevin. You know, in in less than a year, people in Indianapolis really took to like Philip Rivers. He's he's so genuine and he's so honest, and he gives everything he has. And you can tell that he genuinely wins the respect of the locker room just by being who he is. Are you surprised at all that within a short period of time he he became a, a bit of a fan favorite here? Only because of what I uh, went through the first several years of his career, spending so much time being his uh, chief apologist uh, in in the media, uh, whatever it was, uh, national TV, national uh, radio, uh, other towns uh, radio where the 
you know, the Chargers opponents uh, were from uh, because of how much he talks. And, and if you didn't hear what he said, if you didn't know him, uh, that <laughs> my, my line was if Philip Rivers was on your team, you loved him. He was that kid, right? When we picked sides, you know, and if he was on the other team, well, you hated him that day. <laughs> that That's who Philip Rivers was. Um, so to that extent, yes, I'm surprised. On the other hand, everything that you just said about him is so true that I'd be disappointed. Uh, and I often was disappointed that people didn't see the real Philip. Uh, so, no, you know what? I, I'm not surprised that, of course, them winning probably helped. Kevin, that was an incredible lead that you had in your story. And, and uh, you know, I echo what Jeff was saying earlier. Thank you for the time this morning. I felt like after the Buffalo loss, Philip was a little bit more emotional than I have seen him. Now, again, I've covered him for one season. You've covered him for nearly two decades. Did you see that presser at all? And, and maybe when you saw that emotion, did you think, oh, wow, um, even though he's playing at a pretty good level, this could be it? I didn't see uh, the press conference, and but it doesn't surprise me. I will say, uh, since I didn't see it, I can't say at what level that emotion was, uh, in particular in the playoffs, uh, in particular after big games. Uh, he can be a, a little emotional. Like I said, I don't know the level that you saw. Maybe it was a hint. I thought that this was coming, uh, that it would be this year. Um, so I... I I don't know about that, but I, I will say that, uh, gosh, that guy loves to play. I know he's going to miss that part. I can only imagine what these kids in, uh, at, uh, you know, in, uh, at St. Michael High School are uh, in for. Getting back to your lead of dad gummit, we all know <laughs> that Philip Rivers doesn't curse, but he likes to talk a mean trash game. What, what do you think the meanest thing he ever said to anybody was during a football game? I know he didn't intend to be mean, but <laughs> talking about how guys like it was a sorry. That's another one of his favorites. That was a sorry try. That was a sorry <laughs> try. I mean, I, look, <laughs> it is. I want people to understand. I'm pretty sure. Like, there's not a lot of things I'd stake an absolute on, but I'm pretty sure that man has never cussed, and I'm not pretty sure he's never even thought it in his head. Um, he, his intent was he just lost his mind out there. I mean, once people realized that that was a linebacker in a quarterback's body, a defensive back in a quarterback's body, uh, then it was a heck of a lot funnier. Kevin, I don't know if you were at – were you at the RCA Dome in 2008 when, when Philip tore his ACL? Um, I was. Yeah, and then played on it that next week in the AFC title game. What are your memories of, of Philip getting hurt in that game and then ended up playing you know, on the torn ACL? I have a lot of stories that sum up our relationship and sum up Philip as a man, but that's the week that uh, uh, sums it up for me. Uh, when he when he got hurt, it was just so amazing. They were underdogs, obviously the Peyton Manning era, um, and you thought it was just it was such an incredible game. The way that they uh, came back, you you thought you didn't know the extent of the injury, and it was just sort of. You got to cover this victory. Okay, now you're hearing, uh-oh, Phil tore his ACL. He, he, this is going to be bad. Or, or he uh, meniscus at the time. We didn't know it was ACL. Um, and so goes through the whole week, and they're, you know, they're they're doing a great job of subterfuge. He's out at practice. Um, I can't remember if it was every day, but he was out there throwing. Um, you know, at the time that we were allowed to watch, and you were getting reports maybe he could play. So comes to Friday and I find out that he uh, has uh, it was a torn ACL and he had surgery and uh, they removed his ACL actually it wasn't no, it wasn't a repair couldn't have come back from that um, so I call him I get no response it's the only time I think I've never gotten a return text or or call and I report it. Uh, Philip actually goes, uh, you know, he has to do the pregame meeting. I think it must have been uh, uh, Jim Nance uh, and Phil Sims, uh, CBS. Uh, he almost trips over, I think it was Nance's briefcase, leaving the room at one point. Um, and uh, that would have been disastrous. But he tells them, nope, no truth to that report. And, uh, you know, I know Philip, so I'm still a little, I'm a little taken back by that. But I know my report's right. Anyway, go through it. And, you know, a couple days of people saying, well, Philip says it's not true. Um after the game, 
Uh, and he goes, you know, look, uh, I hate that we talk about how someone is the greatest uh, and we call people uh, that play games heroes, but it was a heroic effort by him. Uh, they lose that game. They really never had a chance, a lot of injuries. Um, and uh, afterward, after all the stuff, and I always walked Philip either, you know, most of the way to his car, most of the way to the bus after a game. And so I'm walking with him and I said, you lied to me. And he said, of course I did. <laughs> and it's the only lie that I know of that he ever told me. I believe it's the only lie he ever told me. And But it was for the greater good, and it was for the win. And he actually never lied to me. Um, he lied to Phil and uh, uh, Jim, but uh, he just didn't return my calls. Um, and that sums up Philip, man. Uh, told one lie to a reporter. <laughs> um, that That's pretty incredible for an NFL quarterback. Kevin, last one from me. You know, he's now moving his family, what, for a third time in less than a year. How much do you think just the chaotic nature of life in our country and our world over the past year and COVID might have played a role in him, I don't know, not wanting to run it back one more season? I don't know. I would hope that, uh, you know, we're going to be past this and he was going to get a normal year with the Colts or, or someone else. And I you know, would have hoped that it was with the Colts. I do know this, that COVID did affect. He went out to dinner with the linemen, uh, offensive linemen, a couple days after the season. And it was the first time that they'd done that because of the COVID restrictions. Mm. And that, that broke a little piece of his heart that he wasn't able to do that. I think anybody who got to know him knew how important it was to him, his offensive lineman in particular, but his teammates. I mean, the Colts may have uh, fallen in love with Phillip Rivers, but they only got a part of it based on the restrictions that they had. Um, it was amazing to see people interact and fall under Phillip Rivers' spell uh, that, that played with him. All right, so you know Drew Brees, too. Is he going to retire this week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not sure about that, and uh, – I, 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 it is funny. It is funny that uh, these these kind of things make a, make a guy like me feel old. Uh, well, it's always fun to read your stuff uh, over the years. It's fun to talk to you this morning. We hell of a for job, time. Kevin. Yeah, nice, nicely done. And again, that was Kevin AC this morning with Jeff Ricker and I on the Fan Morning Show. Um, shout out to him, Chris. He posted that story at I think five twenty eight a.m. Yeah, <laughs> and he came on with us. You know, about six fifteen local time out there. So. Uh, big, big props to him. And I know a lot of people won't care about this. And I don't want I don't like try to get on my media high horse very often. I certainly don't do it on social media. But this kind of shows you the loyalty of Philip Rivers. Um, I'm so glad you said that. Did you see Schefter break it? Did you see Rappaport break it? Did no. you see Jay Glazer break it? Right. No. You saw the equivalent of Mike Chappell in the San Diego market break it. And again, that shows you who who rivers is i mean it, it it's uh i mean trust me i don't want anyone to act like the source that i was talking to last night was not someone that has ever broken me any sort of cult's info or mm -hmm. sent me any like it, it just this guy was you know he was um he was a unique individual in how he carried himself and and kind of went about his professional life off the field all that stuff i do think he'd be a great commentator one day but tell you what he seems fired up to coach us michael Fighting Tigers or Heck whatever yeah, their does. nickname is. So, Gunner Rivers. I can't wait to see Gunner's motion. I can't wait to see um, how that pans out. And um, shout out to Philip Rivers, man. No, I'm glad you said that because I had some friends this morning say, you know, it's kind of lame that he didn't use a local. And I'm like, are you kidding me? If Bob Kravitz would have broke Manning's news, you would have respected the hell out of pay. Like, he went back to that's as local as it like, gets. Home is where the heart is. That is his local – I mean, hell, he went into a market that doesn't even have an NFL team anymore. Right, yeah. You know, like that is his low – and, you know, again, it's Phillip keeping his family in San Diego and driving two hours a day when yeah. the Chargers moved to L.A. And I, it is interesting to me, Chris, he's moving his family, you know, three times in less than a year. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's – and we're talking, you know, that's a small town that he's moving there. So, um, again, thank you to Kevin Acey for uh, coming on, and let's, uh, let's hop into the, uh, to the Twitter sphere. Okay, so with Twitter questions, let's start with Creek. Okay. <laughs> you know, you knew we were going to get oh one gosh, of these. Oh gosh, should I get nervous? And what what do we got? We got you said about a handful of Rivers questions, and then we'll get into the the other ones that were sent pre-retirement. Yeah, so okay. we do have some Rivers questions that that I've modified a little bit now that we know the decision. Okay. But um, let's start off with uh, when does Andrews Luck retire? When does his rights come off the books with the Colts? <laughs> <Shit. laughs> Holy shit. Um, 
Well, yeah. Because yeah, friend, guess. I mean, former producer of the pod and friend of the friend of the podcast, Joey, this morning, you know, he tw- tweeted out a little gif of Andrew Luck Did and said he? there's only one guy to go get. That little dog, Joey <laughs> Molinero. Uh, that does not surprise me. I can hear the uh, video coming right now. Um, well, I guess I need to answer this in a serious manner. I believe it's the 2022 uh, free agency. Okay. Is when Andrew Luck's rights, the Colts' rights, I should say, to Andrew Luck comes off the books there. So, yeah, I saw um, – one Scotty Hunt tweeted at us uh, saying, can you get Andrew Luck live on the telephone during the podcast? I, yeah, don't think that's going to happen, um, Scrapper, but uh, yeah, there you go. There's our luck question. Okay. This one's from Jordan. Chances Jacoby Brissett is brought back in 2019 all over again. Well, um, 15%. Yeah, and you probably hope it's lower than that, to be honest. I mean, you're going to run it back with that guy for three straight years? Or not three straight years, I should say, but three different times mm-hmm. as a starter? No, I, I, he's a free agent. Um, it's weird, Chris, because when you think about it like this, now the two big dates on the calendar are this. March 18th, I believe, is the start of free agency. Typically, when Chris Bauer has made draft trades, now again, it's been kind of moving – um, I guess the Buckner trade was moving out of the first round, and then the trade back with the Jets came, um, you know, moving back three spots. Those happened right before free agency, I think, started. Mm-hmm. So we'll watch that, not only for the start of free agency, but for a potential draft trade, because you kind of got to know, can I get to number five? Can I get to number seven? Can I get to ten before I do something in free agency? Um, Bursette is interesting. I, I – uh, I feel like with him, it's got to be something to the effect of, like, can I find a more open competition? You know, them re-signing me to be Matthew Stafford's backup or them signing me and drafting Zach Wilson. I mean, I'm not going to be the starter here. Like, can you go to New England? Back to New England and potentially compete there. Um, The Rivers dynamic is is an interesting one. Um, This obviously complicates it a lot more. I I just – I if I'm running the show, I cannot have an open competition with Jacoby Brissett in it this offseason. And, you know, how open is it? I mean, it sounds like the offseason program isn't going to happen. So, True. you know, it's going to be very uh, similar to what we had in uh, 2020 offseason. This is from Scotty. Hi, Kevin. Four years, four different quarterbacks. Can we table the Frank Ballard hot seat for five years? Also, what's most likely scenario for the quarterback next season? Wait, what's he say? Can we table, he, he, he table the hot Chris seat? Frank's going to go five more years. <laughs> It is um it's a fair question. You know, what does this do to the leash? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the, you know what what does this do to how you're viewed? It's a very very confusing, I guess complicated, I think is a fair word to use again. But um yeah, it's uh it's interesting. What what was the second part of that? Also, what's most likely the scenario for the quarterback next? I season? still think most likely is some sort of veteran move. I do. Um I think that is the most likely, but you know, if I'm making a pie chart, that's not a substantial piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I still think. And, and I guess another question that we just don't really know about is, like, would you draft a quarterback and let that quarterback start from day one? Right. That's not as big of a slam dunk as we've seen it, you know, for a lot of franchises. Some have done it. Others have been very patient, even with the number one overall pick. Which Ballard mentioned in his press conference. Yeah. You know, you know, it's one thing where you got Luck and Manning falling into your lap, but it's yeah. another thing where, you know, maybe you're drafting a QB that comes from – a smaller, I don't know, level in Trey Lance or a vastly different offense and a guy like, like Zach Wilson or, or something like that. I think it's kind of funny. We, we're almost flip-flopped. Usually it's, oh, well, this quarterback's had five coordinators in five years, and now it's, no, our coordinators and our, our coaching staff has had four quarterbacks in four years. I'm glad you brought that up, Chris. I was thinking about that last night in bed, and, again, this just shows you how um, – just idiotic that my mind is at times. <laughs> so, uh, nothing like the St. Matthew Catholic AD saying, I talked to Philip last night. We expect him on campus by April 1. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like an SEC coach. Yeah, he does. Um, He's getting groomed. So, last night I'm sitting there thinking to myself, when is the last time the Colts have had consecutive week one quarterbacks be the same? You'd have to go luck 2015 to luck 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Jacoby started 2017, mm-hmm. week one. 
20, or excuse me, Tolzien started, started yeah. week one. So I guess it's literally six different. Is it six? Luck 2016, then Tolzien 2017, Luck 2018, Bursette 2019, Rivers 2020, 2021 will be at least some mm-hmm. somebody who wasn't the same as the previous season. Correct. It, yeah, it's wild when you break it down like that. I don't know how many teams in the NFL you would say the same thing about. The Browns. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe Baker strung strung two week one together, but yeah, yeah, that's that that's a fair statement. Yeah. All right. This is from Louisiana guy, and again, a lot of these questions came in pre the decision this morning from Philip Rivers. But wants to know with Philip Rivers' decision, what are the circumstances that we think the Colts have discussed the possibility of a trade for Deshaun Watson? Oh boy. Says I know it's a long shot, but. Since Rivers has retired, Ballard should at least kick the tires, right? If so, what do you think Ballard would offer? I liked Rivers, but I think we were wasting time with the quarterback position when we needed to go out and get our guy via either trade or draft. Throw him into the fire like the Cardinals did with Murray and look towards the future. Watson is already a proven quarterback and would make us dangerous. Is this crazy thinking? Um... Well, it can be crazy um, actually seeing Deshaun Watson in a Colts uniform, but it's not crazy to to make a call. Hell yeah, you make a call. Yeah, right. Like, what's the worst thing I'm going to do? Not answer? Not, not pick up? You know, like, oh my gosh. Yes, hell yes. If you can get Deshaun Watson to be your quarterback, you certainly discuss it and look into it with the full realization of they're probably not going to do it. But yeah, I mean, you'd be foolish not to. You... You discuss everything. This is the hottest girl in the hallway, and <laughs> you can't be afraid not to at least talk to her. You know? I, I'm sorry. You can't. You, you just you do it. You do it. But <laughs> you do it, and you also know what the answer is going to be. I, I don't know. What? Three first-rounders? Four first-rounders? Do you need to throw in a player? Do you have to throw in a Okariki or, a, I, I don't know, some young piece? Who knows? But um, the asking price for a divisional team is probably going to be higher. It is interesting. The Watson has the no trade clause. Yeah. So he has a lot of say in this. If it gets to that point, I should reiterate that. I think we're still a long ways away from this actually being a realistic possibility. You would think Watson would be fond of things here in Indy. You know, quarterback, coach wise, mm-hmm. and built team around him and all that stuff. But having said that, I think there's going to be other suitors that might be more attractive to him. I love going down the uh, the social media rabbit hole at times because now people are even even discussing. You know, technically we can trade coaches too. We don't just have to trade players. Yeah, so I went on Houston radio yesterday to talk about Eberflus interviewing, and I almost said to them like, "Hey, what about an Eberflus for uh, for 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 Watson <laughs> trade? Maybe may, maybe throw in T T Y Hilton." Yeah. All right, this one comes from Dalton. It says I feel like Chris Ballard needs to trade up for a quarterback and going with Lance. He was reportedly high on Mahomes, loves the traits, and trusts Reich to be able to develop the teachable things. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Dalton, it's a really good question. You know, it's interesting, the the trade-up, you know, Fields, Wilson, Lance, those I feel like are the realistic names. Um, You know, I I know this. I know they have interest in Trey Lance. He comes from the pro, a bit of a pro-style system. He probably, and I need to look into this more, he probably has had more say at the line of scrimmage than maybe anyone else, um, which is very important yeah. for Frank Reich offense. Now, the competition is a competition. And what, the dude played one game this year? Yeah. So, right. uh, you know, that's the unfortunate nature that you're in. But, yeah, I mean, throw him into the mix and let's talk about it for three months. All right, Zach is referencing the Ballard press conference that says, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but did Ballard sound more optimistic about Eason than in the past? In all other press conferences, it's been a lot of pumping the brakes, whereas this one he was more likely in talking about his talent. Do you think they actually have this newfound confidence, or is, just, or is this just a tactic to make them seem like they have less of a need at quarterback than they actually do? Well, I, you know, I think they were pretty optimistic. Chris about their comments on really Eason. You know, I felt like it was almost a 180 from what we heard after the draft. Mm-hmm. Now, again, what is smokescreen? What is not? <laughs> That's right. fair. You know, to me, the the the, the Jacob Eason puzzle is um, there are a lot of pieces to it. There are some pieces already in place to his puzzle, but two of the biggest pieces that were not in place entering the NFL were um, 
him mentally processing things. When I watched him at Washington and I felt like he had to make multiple reads, I felt like he struggled. When he was a quick one reader, two readers, mm-hmm. arm talent. Ah, I mean, like, beautiful. <laughs> um, but the live bullets, those pieces yeah. are certainly missing. And, like, yes, you maybe feel better about the mental pieces being plugged in. But remember, the live bullets, you have to marry the mental into that. Like, you've got to then take off the red jersey, get hit, and still process things like you would in the classroom with Phillip and Jacoby and Marcus Brady and Nick Sirianni. Yeah. That's that's difficult. So, um, again, more pieces I think the Colts feel better about with, um, uh, with, with Jacob. And certainly Chris was a little bit more encouraging. But we have, we have to remember this, too. Chris also said he wasn't sure if he was comfortable in Jacob being the backup for 2021. So, mm-hmm. if he's not sure on Jacob being the backup, for 2021, and the offseason program is going to be all virtual. I mean, Chris, I hate to say such a defining statement on January 20th, but Jacob Beeson's not your starting quarterback week one. Like, So I, I don't know. Maybe there's no one out there that thinks that. Judging by my mentions, I think there are some people that believe that. But, like, unless you have a full-fledged open competition in training camp, which I, how many NFL teams do that even more? Like, right. I feel like very few. Mm-hmm. So um, now, again... I'm a fan of Eason being the backup because if you go a veteran route and that veteran gets hurt, I'd like to see what the potential future could look like in some live action. What I'm going to like, Kevin, about whether it's Eason or a veteran backup is, and ironically enough, last night I went back and watched a lot of highlights from Eason at Washington. Oh, boy. Look at you. Michael Pittman Jr. will finally get that 50-50 ball chance. Yeah. Eason threw a lot of those at Washington. His outside the number ball, and we didn't see so that. So beautiful. And um, I've said this before: if you want to go watch Jacob Eason and be amazed mm-hmm. and go to sleep happy, go watch the BYU first half. Yep. In Provo, hostile environment, and that dude is flinging it all across the yard, and looks like a flat out stud. So, um, yeah, well, I'll get into more Jacob Eason stuff, but that's kind of the basis for now. All right, Matt, thanks you for the continued podcast. It helps his work day go by faster. Oh, I love it, Matt. Thank you. Andy Reid's gamble paid off Sunday by converting fourth and short. Two questions. Does Frank Reich make the same call? And if he did, would he have done, done it with Rivers or Brissett? Oh, I, I think it's yes and yes. I think, uh, yeah. I, I think Frank would have done it with both. It was funny. After the game ended, I heard from someone in the Colts organization about, you know, this is what it takes to be be a championship-type team. Mm-hmm. And, uh and I think that was a reference to the aggressiveness and all of that. And, yeah, I, I honestly do. If Jacoby Brissett would have been in the game, I think Frank would have gone for it in a similar boat. Now, my counter to that would be you're throwing the ball to – he might not be the best receiver in football, but he does the best job at creating separation in short areas of the field, and that's Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tyreek Hill created an absurd amount of separation. Yes on that route. So, you know, throwing to Tyreek Hill is different than, you know, putting Ashton Doolin on a D end and running behind Jared Veld here on the pitch. Yeah. So that's where you think players, not plays. I'm fine with having the confidence. Was it a simple throw for Chad Henney? Yeah. I mean, all things considered, but it was simple because Tyreek Hill <laughs> didn't have a defender within two and a half yards of him right. on fourth and inches. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I, I'm still stunned, Chris. I, I, I thought he, Henney would at least be under center. I thought they'd run it down and they'd take a timeout. And maybe they would go for it after that. But I thought at the bare minimum they would do that. But uh, gunction, gunction, large, yeah, large cojones. <laughs> Mitchell asks, after listening to Ballard's press conference, obviously he won't tell people his real plan. But do you think his comments on the quarterback being the future need is more interesting? Because I think he's got some tricks up his sleeves. Yeah, Mitchell, it's so hard. You know, again, Chris Ballard gets it. He knows that, like – he knows the importance of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also is a great talker. I mean, he is a great, great talker. Yes. So, like, this is the guy that um, can be very smooth, and, and that's how he is with these things. So he knows what his words mean as well. Um, it's on his mind. But the thing I'll continue to say is he's not just going to do it, and I don't think to do it. The Rivers' retirement, I don't think, uh, increases his sense of urgency that much. Maybe a little bit, but I don't think it does 
as much as maybe some people would like it to increase. All right, from a lot of quarterback talk to cornerback talk, we're going to go to John, who says, is it just my imagination, or did Isaiah Rogers look pretty good against the Bills at outside corner? Do you think there's any chance that the Colts try him at outside corner if Rhodes or Carey don't come back? Yeah, John, great question. You know, the staff likes him for sure. Um, I think he was drafted really to be the inside guy and mm-hmm. kind of thinking TJ Carey for one year, you know, slide him behind Kenny Moore. But, you know, again, it, it was only a few plays, but I was intrigued. You know, I don't know about you, Chris, but I mean, I think there's a competitive nature that you like. Obviously, what about Marvell Tell? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, right. if Xavier Rhodes doesn't come back, corner's a huge need. Huge need. Like, you got to go do something there. Yeah. Draft, free agency, something. But, yeah, I, I would like to see Isaiah Rodgers in some sort of competition. All right, this one's from Tall. First off, thank you for your continued hard work on getting the content out, especially with Rosie at home. Thank you, Tall. Rosie's doing great. She's, you know, kind of scooting like a little bit more laterally yeah. and backwards. Not a lot of forward movement, but that's fine. You can drive the car in reverse. Um, so, yeah. As long as she gets to where she's trying to go, right? Amen, man. Amen. Rosie Bow doing doing uh, terrific. Once they figure out that those knees can work forward, Oof, it's I know. you better watch out. <laughs> ba- baby-proof the house. Um, this question is, do you think the quarterback that we choose in 21 will have any effect at left tackle plan? For example, if we would have kept Rivers – would we have used a higher resource at left tackle knowing that he was a statue? In contrast, if we have a more mobile quarterback, would it buy us some time to groom a rookie or get Nelson some experience? Obviously, we have a need at left tackle regardless, but mainly that's mainly talking about the priority level. Stay safe and God bless. Yeah, it's all, that's all. That's a great, great question. Um, I don't think it should matter, Chris. I think you need to draft the left tackle you feel or sign the left tackle, whatever, that you feel most comfortable with. I, I don't think mobility one way or the other should lessen or um, really influence your um, the magnitude of that position or the type of resources you commit to that spot. No, I, I think you need to have a pretty good left tackle over there. Um, but obviously this is a part of the quarterback position we've talked about. It's a part of the um, limitations this offense has. It's why they took, I think, such a big step back in the red zone and even the third down a little bit, probably more so in the red zone, this season. Mm-hmm. So I think those are all very fair statements there. Um, it, it, you got to have a long-term vision there. And, you know, even like look at these AFC teams, Chris, that have very mobile quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson has Ronnie Stanley as his left tackle. Now, Ronnie Stanley was drafted before Lamar Jackson. But, you know, the Texans went out and traded for Laramie Tunsil. Right. You know, like, those are the two most dynamic quarterbacks with their legs in the league. And they've got, you know, major, major resources invested in the tackle spot. And even the other tackle spot. Titus Howard is a pretty high pick. And um, and is it Orlando Brown? I think so. Over at right tackle. I mean, you know, again, it's not chopped liver yeah. at those tackle spots. So, fair question, Tall, but I don't think you can treat it that way. Benji feels like Rivers was an upgrade, but wants to know how much the team played the easiest schedule, added Jonathan Taylor, Buckner, Blackman, Michael Pittman Jr., and Hot Rod. How many wins would Rivers have had with the 2019 roster? 19, they went 7-9. and nine. I think they go 9-7. and seven. I felt like Rivers was a solid 2-3 to three wins better mm-hmm. than what you got at quarterback. You know, and this goes back to my earlier point, Chris, of like, again, to me, if you're going Band-Aid, at the age of 39, Rivers would turn 40 this December. You got to be one of the last team standing. You got to be playing on this weekend, to me. Like that, that, and trust me, you can look at it whichever glasses you want to look through it. You can say that you were a play away from beating Buffalo, and now Buffalo's in the Final Four. Yep. You can say this team needed help to get in the playoffs. This team won 11 games. That's the most they've won in a decade, tied for the most. Or you can look at it and say you need help to get in the playoffs when you added another team with the easiest schedule in the NFL. So you can look at it through whatever color glasses that you want to look at it through. He was an upgrade, um, definitely. But, again, not to the level to where I would have run it back. This question comes from Craig. And, again, some of these questions came in before the announcement this morning. says he liked Rivers, but he clearly had a ceiling. In today's NFL, you must be a mobile quarterback. In order of preference, which do you think would have been the best direction for this team to go? Keep Rivers and groom Eason, 
pay a ransom for Wentz, Dak, or Deshaun, or start fresh with a college quarterback knowing it may be a year or two before you get back into the playoffs. Thanks, and have a great offseason. Thank you, Craig. Um, the most realistic and what I would like the most, Chris, mm-hmm. is, is draft the college QB. Um, because, again, when I say most realistic, I don't think Watson <laughs> is realistic. Most realistic for the football team? I mean, before today, I would have thought Rivers and then Eason. You know, kind of just that pairing and, and, and I don't know, maybe draft a quarterback. But now I kind of tend to think veteran. Um, I guess he doesn't throw Stafford on here. The thing about Stafford you have to look at, Chris, is you are giving up draft picks. Yeah. As well. So that is something to keep in mind when you look at him. But I don't think age will worry the Colts. Remember what Ballard said. If Rivers is 35 or 30, our decision is made. Our decision. Colts' decision is made. So, again, age, I, I don't think it's a worry. All right, Kevin, this one comes from Connor. says everyone's talking about the Colts moving up, and I think they should, but nobody's talking about moving back, which I don't think is unlikely. We have to bring in a wide receiver, offensive lineman, quarterback, defensive end, linebacker, and cornerback. That's a lot of positions to address, and Chris loves to do it in the draft. What are your thoughts? And on a side note, says tell tell 1070 to go ahead and give you the show. You're the GOAT. Thank you, thank you, Connor, for, for for that. I don't know how much clout you got on the seventh floor here, but um, no, I I, I appreciate that. And um, boy, he lists a lot of positions. A lot of positions, yeah. I don't know about linebacker. Like I don't know. I don't think that's a major need, is it? I, I mean, I think we're set there. But yeah. Um. Okay. I guess you know it comes down to quantity versus quality. Obviously, Chris Ballard loves to trade back. We know that full well. Um. I, it wouldn't be the route I would go. I think you've built your roster to the point where it's quality over quantity mm-hmm. with your draft picks. And so I look at it like this. In free agency, can you find a wideout? Can you find a left tackle? Can you re-sign Rhodes? Let's say you do two of those three. Right. Then you get in the draft and it's, okay, what about quarterback? What about edge rusher? So quarterback in round one, edge rusher in round two. Then maybe you go with, I don't know, a left tackle in the third round or whatever you feel like you haven't crossed off. And again, if you move from 21 to 10 or 21 to 8, you're not mortgaging, you know, all of it. You're you're mortgaging some of it, but maybe you're sending future. Maybe it's a 2022 mm-hmm. first rounder and a fourth rounder, something like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't agree with all those positions. Several of them, certainly, but I, I don't agree with linebacker. You, you could... Find a linebacker in the fifth round, and he can be a backup. This is from Naptown1078. Ooh. KB, big fan of the podcast. Let's go. If the Jets draft a quarterback, do we go for Darnold, draft an offensive tackle, and edge early in the draft, and pick up Allen Robinson? Boy, do I like Allen Robinson. Yeah. I like him. I am a, I'm a fan of him. Um, boy, I just don't love Darnold. I don't. I don't. I'm just not a fan. And again, I I'm scarred because, um, <laughs> I remember watching him play in South Bend, and he looked like Tolzien that <laughs> night. So I'm a little bit scarred. I think I yelled at him. You couldn't start for L.A. Community College, and I think Maddie hit me in the side. <laughs> but whatever. Um, felt good to get off my chest. I do like Allen Robinson though, man. I I thought they should have gone after him a few years ago. I know he's coming off the ACL from Jacksonville, but. I think he'd be pretty motivated. You know, he's pissed mm-hmm. off at Chicago. I don't know, AFC South, Venom. Who knows? That's a great wideout for agency class. Yeah. Something we'll get into on future pods, but that, that's pretty darn good. We yeah, and I saw I saw a stat that first Ro- six or seven names that like Robinson had the most contested passes in his entire career or something, and he still puts up the numbers that he does. That's not something to overlook. All right, this is from JJ. Regardless of who the Colts go with and the quarterback for the next few years, my impression is that Coach Reich is set on a typical drop-back, immobile change of play at the line quarterback rather than a mobile QB. Would he prefer a Rivers-type quarterback to a Watson, Mahomes, Jackson type? Happy New Year. Yeah, really good question here. Mental processing and accuracy. Mm-hmm. It's all We always hear that from Reich before we hear any sort of legs and mobility and whatnot. Um, you know... Chris, I I look at Saturday and watching Aaron Rodgers and even the plays he made, just subtle, keeping some things alive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, did he run for a touchdown, I think, early in that yep. game? You know, it's just, uh, we're not talking, you know, Watson, Jackson-type m- mobility. It's just, you know, can you run four seven five and keep some plays alive? 
you know, I think that is something that needs to be a little bit more pressing on that Raider. I mean, hell, how about Chad Henney scramble? Yeah. Huh. Right. Boy, that was like, what? I, I, you did, you can do that? Uh, those things even kind of stand out to me as well. So, um, yeah, I, I do think if you're going to ask Frank Reich for his traits, that would be, mobility would not be that high on it. All right, about five more Twitter questions left. This one's from 1924, and whoo, Kevin says he has to vent. If you're going there, then it's then it's got to be something. He's saying I got to vent. I'm tired of all these whiny Colts fans with their trashing of Ballard and Reich. Rome was not built in the day. Those Manning Lux teams weren't that good. They had a few great players and heavily depended on the perfect quarterback play. This team that Ballard is building is much more all around, just lacking the elite quarterback. I mean, did everyone forget about Grixon and Pagano? No GM is going to hit on all their picks, but Ballard has hit on a lot. I believe this team led by Reich and Ballard will be a legitimate Super Bowl contender within the next three years. Do you agree or disagree? Um, well, <laughs> there's a lot of decisions to be made <laughs> at some important spots before I go there in 1924. Um, you know, I guess the question I have, Chris, is does it take a few great players? And by that, I guess I mean look at Kansas City. 1-53, to 53, I don't think they're as talented as some other rosters around the league. Mm-hmm. But they have you know, one of the best three or four players at quarterback, receiver, tight end, a really a generational tight end, and on their defensive line from a pass rush standpoint. Like, I mean, think about that. Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, Chris Jones, is that... I'd even throw Matthew in there. Yeah, yeah, he, he was the other one that I was somewhat thinking about. Okay, let's let's throw him in there. Is that some form of Manning, Wayne, Clark, Freeney, Sanders? Mm-hmm. Maybe not. You know, maybe that's a bit too much. But like <laughs> some of those Chiefs names I just mentioned, those dudes are trending to be in Canton one day. Yes, they are. So I just think that like. Chris has hit on a lot, for sure. But to the, that magnitude at those spots is probably the bigger thing. You know, I didn't name an offensive guard there. I didn't name a linebacker. Um, they're important, without a doubt. But as impactful as these other spots, I, I think that is just an honest statement that you have to make. Now, about the three to three years, if you can get Stafford, and you find a left tackle, I do think this is a team that could be capable of honestly doing something more in 2021. Now, you know, I say if, and I'm typing that in kind of probably size 48 font in Microsoft Word there. So that is something that I think you you got to keep in mind. Because I I, I am certainly a realist. I don't think anyone has ever heard me say, you draft a rookie quarterback and you win 12 games and you go to the Super Bowl. No, 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 no. Now, there's been rookie quarterback contracts that have had great success in year two or year three. But I'm a realist there. I know it's going to take a little bit of time, and that's not the expectations you should have. So if you want it and you want it quickly, Matthew Stafford and his crazy wife. <laughs> She's crazy, isn't she? She's conservative. Oh. She'd be coming to a conservative state, which well, you might like. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I, I don't think anything's <laughs> stopping her. All right, John wants to know what's the potential of us going to get Gardner Minshew for quarterback next season. What? Gardner Minshew? Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, love the mustache and, and pray for the women in Indianapolis seeing that mustache <laughs> in public. I don't. I guess we got to wait till the masks come off, but uh, no, no. John, no. All right, Jason, listen to John Clayton on the fan regarding the possibility of Stafford to Indy. He knows you're a draft, your guy, but do you see Stafford as an upgrade over Rivers? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And some might disagree with that, but I do believe Matthew Stafford is a higher ceiling quarterback than Phillip Rivers. Uh, is he as high of a floor? Eh, probably not. But, yeah, higher ceiling for sure. Gives you more potential, and it puts talent around him that we haven't really seen mm-hmm. around him. Two more here. This one comes from Raj. Hey, Kev, hope all is well. What is the likelihood that the Colts trade up for Pene Sewell? It may seem like a long shot. But he's he but with only one year left on Costanzo's contract, which now that he's retired, 
it does seem it doesn't seem like a crazy thought in my opinion. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Iraj, I, I can't see it. it. To me, if you're moving up that high, which it sounds like you got to go what top five, top seven to get him. Yeah, like to me, it's got to be quarterback. And I, I just think if you're going to mortgage some future resources, you got to do it for the guy that's touching the ball mm -hmm. every single play. So that's kind of my my thoughts there. All right, this last one's from Aaron. What was the best game that you saw in person? Ooh, any anything? Let's go. I'm gonna. I'll I'll, I'll double. I'll, we'll do. Okay. We'll do anything and then Colts. Okay, uh, let's start with Colts. Chief playoff game. Yeah. Chief playoff game. Chief playoff game. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've always had a soft spot for that Green Bay game in 2012. Yep. Shout out Chuck Pagano hanging it up. That game has always kind of been in my mind. I, I love the Peyton return games. Mm -hmm. You know, boy, you talk about something that's just grabbing at you pregame and then knowing the Mathis reaction after sacking Peyton in 2013. Oh, man. Right. You know, that's what that's what it meant to Mathis to do that. Winning in Denver, honestly, in that AFC divisional game in 2014, beating Peyton in, in mile high, that is, ranks up there as well. So you got any Colts games that, 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 that come to mind for you? Um, I, I was at the fourth and two game, the uh, okay. uh, Patriot Colt. Yep. Last time Colts beat them, th that probably is, is up there as well. That was, you know, uh, what, Kevin Falk, I believe it was, and then Reggie with the game winner. I'm right on par there with you. I was at the Kansas City game, the playoff game, which an amazing comeback, and we got out of Lucas Oil just in time for the snowpocalypse to, oh to happen. Oh, my gosh. I forgot about that. <laughs> and also the, the Broncos, the return of Peyton. That was that was awesome to be at as well. Yeah, that was cool. Um, Non-Colts division, boy, I've been fortunate. I'd say the Watt shot game, IU-Kentucky 2011. Oh. Honestly, best pure game to me was the IU-Kentucky second game that season. Yeah. Sweet 16 mm -hmm. in the Georgia Dome, BBN. Back and forth. Oh, my gosh. Catlanta was bull. <laughs> Boy, that was like 190, I feel like, final score. Something crazy. Victor played great in that game for IU until he got into foul trouble. That was an awesome game. I was covering that for the IDS. Bush push, unfortunately. Oh, unfortunately. you were there? Yeah. Yeah, I was there. I um, Yikes. How old was I? 2005, so I was 16. You probably, yeah. Yeah, there were cones on campus afterwards. I was picking up the cones and throwing them. <laughs> I was so irate. My buddy Corn Washington's aunt wasn't too happy with me. I, I just, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, what else? Butler national title here. Okay. Yeah. Losing to Duke. Inches away. The Hayward shot. I mean, it was ninety ten. Butler fans in that stadium. It mm -hmm. was just that might be my favorite atmosphere. Honestly, just the story and. Hinkle's right there, and the you know, oh man! Yeah. And if that that shot goes in, it's the greatest play in sports. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. It is the greatest play, and I could not be more biased. I guess I live within a stone's throw of Hinkle and <laughs> Butler's campus, but um, sorry, it is. Thank you, Aaron, for that question. Yeah. You, you got anything else? Any uh, any other games that stick out to you? No, for me, I'll be biased. Um, I was fortunate enough to call Division Two National Championship for Bellarmine. Oh, um, that's big. My sophomore year. So in Evansville. Isn't no, that, where that was it? actually in Mass Springfield, Mass. Oh, so where the Basketball, basketball Hall of Fame, Fame is. Yeah. That's where they they hosted the uh, Elite Eight, Final Four, National Championship back then. So being able to be courtside to watch uh, my team beat BYU Hawaii was. Ooh, Very nice. BYU Hawaii. Yeah. Hilo Hawaii, something like that. Long, long flight for for yeah, that team. That is a long trip. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that yeah. Play by play person. Boy. That'd be so cool to experience that. Yeah. Cool. Is that all of them? That's all that's all the questions. Okay, before we give our divisional picks, or excuse me, our conference championship picks, I should say. Uh Wake Spike wanted to chime in about the combine. Okay. Lost the combine there. Yeah. Uh sucks, man. It, it, it's understandable, but it sucks. You know, I, I would say this. I think a senior bowl is going to be absolutely massive. Mm -hmm. It's already big for the Colts. It's going to be even bigger. Just some in-person interaction, some sort of seeing guys firsthand. Uh, now, the medicals, you got to really trust these college staff. Sounds like they'll send some NFL people on the road to do some medicals. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be an interesting draft process. I mean, for the most part, they were able to do the brunt of the work last year. Right. We really just missed out on pro days mm -hmm. last year. Some top 30 visits became virtual. But you, you had the combine. That was really the last event that we mm -hmm. kind of saw almost yeah. in the sports world. 
uh, before everything, you know, all hell happens. So, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, God, I really hope the combine stays. Really hope it stays. I do too. Yeah. And Ballard, I think, kind of tipped the hand a little bit. We 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 knew it was trending that way that it yeah, wouldn't be I here know. this year, but Just once moment. you got the news, that that does suck to hear. All right, man. Divi- or conference championship picks. Uh, we've got our first game. We've got Packers and Bucks. Um, I have a feeling everyone in Indianapolis' heart is with the Packers, <laughs> yeah. considering the quarterback on the other side, um, which it is freaking remarkable. This is 14 championship games. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You know that's uh, more than every franchise, but two? Yeah, that's nuts. Like, what? How? Absurd. Here you got Packers, Bucks. I'm going to go Packers. Heart, head, both? A little bit of both. Uh, obviously, playing. In Green Bay is difficult this time of year. Ronald Jones a little bit of banged up, so it's going to come down to the, the receiving core for uh, Tampa Bay. So I'm going to go ahead and just go with the Packers. Brady was bitching a little bit about not wanting to play in cold weather again, so I don't know. Hey, this is kind of like, all right, here you go, brother. Yeah. yeah, I like Packers there. Bills, Chiefs, your thoughts. Let's say Mahomes plays. It will be a very close game. I'm going to go Bills, mostly with the heart. If they win, I will go down to Tampa. I have family in Tampa, Whoa. and a lot of my family also is uh, Bills fans. So here we go. If the Bills Mafia, win, you're jumping on table, and you got the tattoo. Bill, I'm. I, I still have you got to, it. I have not gotten it yet. Come on now, you got to be know, man of your word here. I know, I know. Uh, Listeners, so, can we hold them to that? So if the Bills win, I will be going to Tampa. My brother's uh, really good friends with Brandon Bean. No, oh. possibly swinging some tickets. <laughs> That'd be a, a tough, tough ask, hey. especially in today's atmosphere. But Good old COVID Super Bowl—that's bucket list stuff. Yeah, still being down there will be would be. Well, fun. I think you've got to get the tattoo on the lip then to impress Brandon Bean <laughs> and get those tickets. I'm going with toe. I'm not going to go lip. I'm oh. going. I'm going Ooh. toe. <laughs> Boo! Um, I've got a little financial stake in the Bills, so I would like for them to win the football game as well. Um, I do think it'll be really close, even if Mahomes plays, because. Let's be honest, Buffalo hasn't played their best game yet. Right. We haven't seen that offense really take off yet. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, just like Hollywood, heartstrings, to me, Buffalo, Green Bay. The markets. Mm-hmm. You can't get, that's what I love about the NFL. It's got to be the two smallest markets, right? Oh, yeah. Easily. Two smallest markets. Uh, been to both those away stadiums. Just awesome fan bases, atmospheres. You know, what are you going to go watch the Green Bay Phoenix play? What are you going to go watch the Buffalo Sabres play? I lost a bet on the Sabres the other night now that I think about it. <laughs> like, I mean, come on. It, it, you know, I think that'd be fun. Yeah. See those two markets again. I know they've tasted it before, but still, just being in there. And um, it, it's what I like about the NFL. I mean, the NFL markets, the teams in New York and LA <laughs> largely sucked. Right. Uh, but still, it's. Uh, Pretty cool to see if Tampa it. does win, correct me if I'm wrong. Won't they will be the first team to ever play in their yeah. home stadium as a Super Bowl? That's a great point. Participant. Yeah, I know. Yeah, would the Colts go two and fourteen the year the Super Bowl was held here in yeah. Indy? Yeah, don't not close. Ever, yeah, don't think that they ever had a chance. All right, man. Um, well, thank you, Phil Rivers, for doing this at 90 minutes before we are going to hit record, anyways. And uh, one final time, um, mm-hmm. I just think a clap, just just a nice yeah. little here for Philip Rivers. Um, did a lot of good for this franchise here in 2020. Uh, wasn't perfect by any means. You knew what you were going to get. But uh, for a one-year stopgap, a lot was achieved. So uh, enjoy the St. Michael Catholic High School football team <laughs> in Fairhope. Please send your good players to Notre Dame and your bad players to the SEC. And uh, enjoy retirement. He's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. Once a week, the whole offseason, K-Bowen 1070. DM me with some questions if you got them. And uh, we got a lot of written content every single day up on the site, 1075thefan.com. And shamelessly, we haven't asked for this in a while, please subscribe. Our YouTube channel, mm-hmm. 1075thefan. Kevin's Corner on uh, Apple, Spotify, all the places. Yep. And if you're feeling it, leave a review, you know? Yeah, we don't ask for that very often, but if you guys are feeling it, we love a little five-star action and a review as well. Enjoy Championship Weekend. Talk to you next week.